0: We'll wrap up the exchange with Garden for Life. Master gardener Lynn Kuntzman and Jeff Riley talk about the joys of spring.
1: Lynn Kunzman, so glad to have you in the studio. We're actually meeting in person for the first time. <laughs> I
0: know. It's very weird. <laughs> After all this time. <laughs>
1: Truly, I know. It's like having an old friend that you never met, but here we are. So um, let's, uh, I, you know, I can always start with talking about the successes in, in my
0: own garden or failures, and I'm pleased to report I can see the little sprouts of garlic coming up. Oh, yes. Good. Yeah. Mine are up as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they, they come up like the daffodils, you know, they, they stand a little thing up and- Hang out until it's warm enough to really start growing and doing their, their putting on growth.
1: When I mentioned this to a to a friend of the newsroom the other day, okay, it was Angela.
0: Uh, she said, "Is it too <laughs> late to plant garlic?" I said, "Dad, I don't know. Uh, you you can still. I mean, it's it's pushing it, but um, yeah, you can put them in now. Uh, it, it's it's a it's better to put them in in the fall. They get more root development then. But um, I've I've pulled them up." Uh, When they sprout in, you know, the ones that I missed last summer when I harvested them start coming up in a big glob, uh, a big bunch. I will pull those apart and plant those out in the garden. So that's something that you can do as well. The ones you forgot to get. The ones that, yeah, they Uh broke off or I didn't see them Uh or whatever. And so every single clove is sprouting. Mm -hmm. So you have like this massive uh, thing of sprouts there. And if you pull that up, dig it up carefully and separate each of those out. Each one of those will make a head of garlic for you. So.
1: Oh wow! So yeah, yeah I, I, the reason I was uh, zeroing in on the, the the stuff you missed is just, just just a reminder that even even the term master in front of gardener does not, <laughs> does not make you flawless. Does no, it, it
0: does not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, uh, what uh, so in that particular realm though of garlic? I mean, what uh, should I what
0: should I be doing then in these cold months? Anything? You don't. I wouldn't do anything. You can you can mulch it to keep soil moisture in if if you like. Um, and um, it basically, I mean, it's just going to grow that garlic head underground um, until about the end of June, at which point it'll start to die back. And then um, those uh, tops will brown out. And when they're about halfway browned down, you just b- kind of bend them over and let them finish getting kind of dry. And then in July, mid-July, you dig it or pull it and and then dry it, uh, air dry it for a couple weeks. Um, then you can braid it up and stash it somewhere. All right. I do remember July. as mm-hmm. This is a long
1: growing season for mm-hmm. garlic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And an unusual one. Let, let's talk about what else then. I mean, this is not a month of uh, February for a lot of activity. In
0: right. Garden, yeah. So, I mean, January and February is when you're going through your seed catalogs and deciding what you want to grow <laughs> for the coming year. So, so uh, you know, we've been at master gardeners. We Our seed committee has been ordering uh, seeds for our practicum students to start. We're, we're, we're actually having a live master gardener class this year. Oh, wow. So uh, we'll have um, students planting seeds for our um spring garden fair reboot that we'll have in may <laughs>
1: so this is the first live master gardener class uh, since the f- before the pandemic
0: this is the first live class since before uh so the 2020 class had three weeks of class mm-hmm. and then everything shut down so um this is the first full class we'll have in three years um, so they are um we ordered all our seeds and all those seeds are in on the passenger seat of my car now we're going to we're going to get them arrayed and, and plan out when they need to be planted so that they'll be ready to sell um, by May 6th, which is when we'll have our our um, spring plant sale.
1: So, uh, who makes the, the choices of the seeds? Do the students get some input on that, or is it just what the no? What the we have a, choose?
0: the Jackson County Master Gardeners Association, the Practicum Working Group. <laughs> practicum is sort of the lab that we run. It's a three hour lab that students take. Uh, they they're not required to take it. It's the Master Gardener program itself uh, is a uh, modules that they read, and then they come for a half day on Wednesdays um, for the class, uh, kind of lecture and, um, and and some other learning, but then we run. Um, practicum labs, eight sessions of those a week. So they come in small groups and they grow out all the plants that we sell at Spring Garden Fair. So they're learning how to um, start seeds and how to propagate um, things from vegetative cuttings or you know uh, stem cuttings um, uh, or how to plant bulbs, whatever it is we're doing with them. Um, and so it, the Master Gardeners Association, Jackson County Master Gardener Association, that that um, is a working group called Practicum, and we have a seed committee <laughs> in that group, a subgroup, uh, and we do the ordering. The seed committee gets together, and we decide what types of tomatoes and peppers and eggplants and herbs or annuals we're going to grow and have the students start. And then we order those and... And we go from
1: there. I and mean, what's the basis for deciding which which varieties of things you'll go for?
0: Yeah. So what we what we look for are things that we know do well in the valley. Things that we know people have been asking for in the past. So like, um, sun gold tomatoes, cherry tomatoes. Everybody wants those. So we grow a lot of those, you know, but uh, not a lot of people want uh, maybe an heirloom that's going to take 105 days to, you know, make a tomato for them. So we have, you know, short season ones and we have heirlooms, we have slicers and paste tomatoes and we try to have a variety of things that we have available for people. Lynn Kunzman
1: from Jackson County Master Gardeners back with us on the Jefferson Exchange. Since we pre-record this segment now, we can't take live emails from you, so uh, stash them up. <laughs> Send them off to jx at org, And we'll be happy to read those to Lynn on a future session uh, with our Master Gardener. The segment is called Garden for Life. Um, so you were talking about the students then in, in the Master Gardener program um, growing the things for the Master Gardener Spring Fair. Um, but this is not like student bake sale. There's not as much can go wrong with plants, right?
0: Well, I mean, there there are things that can go wrong. You can get fungal problems in the prop propagation house or you can get, um, you know, a day when somebody doesn't come in to do the watering ne- they need to do or they don't water enough and then plants in pots. <laughs> I mean, it's a good lesson we learned through failure, but we've had some losses in the greenhouse before because, you know, somebody didn't uh, really attend to the watering that needed to happen, you know, or they got watered too much. We've had that issue as well. And then you get things like fungus gnats or, you know, so it's always a learning opportunity (laughs) with the students. And so they get to see, you know, when there are problems that crop up and we have to deal with them. And um, yeah, so it's, it's like anybody else uh, learning how to do this for the first time. There are things you learn through failure, um, and but there but there are also those successes. I mean, we we usually sell several thousand plants at Spring Garden Fair, and this year we'll have even more because we now we have the native plant nursery. Um, Which is just a whole other deal. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah. big on native plants. We'll get to that in just a bit. Uh, The failure part of it, though, from a couple of years of of gardening myself, largely inspired by our sessions together, is is uh, you know, uh, there's there's a line between lazy and and uh, oops, I made a mistake.
0: uh, (laughs) That I find, but but the mistake you you do learn
1: things from the mistakes if you're paying attention.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, one of the one of the problems that we experienced out. uh, a couple of years ago, um, was we were getting all these fungus gnats in our milkweed, and it turned out that we were overwatering. And the fungus gnats require soil to lay their eggs that's moist. And if you let the top maybe inch of the soil dry out in the pots, uh, which is kind of a dicey thing because you got to know that the the base is still moist for the roots. But if you let the top inch or so dry out, those Organisms die, and so that was something everybody had to learn. <laughs> you know. So. Yeah. So yeah, yeah.
1: You I and mean, you've advocated in the past a lot, uh, certainly using uh, tools like you know, like soil moisture meters and mm-hmm. things. Like that. Soil temperature is mm-hmm. a big one uh, as we get uh, closer to growing season. Right. But but uh, but it sounds like the use of a finger would
0: help there. Absolutely. If you don't have a moisture meter, your your pinky or your index finger will work just fine. Put it down there and see if there's moisture down below that first inch in the pot. You know, um, but you don't want to overwater because th- those those little critters. And of course, everybody hates fungus gnats. It's like a a nightmare. But uh, if you're growing, if if you don't have fungus gnats, we think of them as a pest. They are the um, pollinators for (laughs) pipevine, which is the the native vine that is the host plant for pipevine swallowtails. So everything is connected. We have to remember that everything is connected, no matter what pest you have in your yard. Uh, It's not necessarily a bad thing, it's bad in your situation, but um, it's critical in the environment. So. Yeah,
1: be, be aware of what you uh, mm-hmm. what you slap because you yeah, yeah. uh, <laughs> might be wiping out something that is critical to another creature. Yeah, and yeah. believe me, this stuff really rings in my head after several years of, of talking to you because uh, um, I, w- I was admiring uh, th- this neighbor who had this long stretch of, uh, of small street trees along a fence uh, with a lot of uh, leaf litter underneath but That's perfect. That's the stuff that Lynn talks about where the bugs grow and the birds come and they, they get the bugs. And they feed right, their babies. Right. Yeah. They raked it all up.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Ago. So we're not using the term litter anymore for leaves. Go that ahead. that's that's that should be everybody's goal. Don't think of leaves as litter. Think of them as habitat. Your thrushes, all your thrush species, robins, hermit thrushes, varied thrushes, um, towhees, all the towhees, the juncos, all of those bird species have to have leaf litter to forage in. In um, in the wintertime, they have to have it. It's, cri- it's a critical food source. Many of our butterflies overwinter under leaf litter. It's insulation for them to keep them from freezing. And our morning cloak butterflies, it's actually the adult butterflies that live under there. Um, usually they're in a larval or a pupa stage, but the morning cloaks actually are there under the leaf habitat. <laughs> uh, um, Staying warm enough that they can come out when it gets warmer and forage. Um, so really, you need to think of it as habitat. Um, yeah, and uh, flies, and I know everybody thinks of house flies. I'm not talking about those kinds of flies. I'm talking about things like hoverflies and uh, soldier flies and long-legged flies that are your buddies in your garden. They are they are their larvae are eating voracious killers of aphids and thrips and fungal nets and all those things. They overwinter in those kinds of environments, and Paul poly- and they are our second. Flies are our second most important pollinator after bees. So people think of flies and they go, ooh, yuck. No. <laughs> No, our, most of our species of flies are our buddies. So, um, yeah.
1: Hence, since the name for the uh, for the segment "Garden for Life," because mm-hmm. uh, because the fact is that you're trying to make sure that a lot of things uh, yeah. succeed. You're not just trying to like oh, get rid of these guys because right. the other ones can live. No, no, it's it's much more interconnected than that. Yeah.
0: So just rake those leaves in under your shrubbery. You know, just kind of push them push them up under the bushes, or you know, put them on your garden beds or wherever you can handle seeing them in your yard. <laughs> <laughs> and and yes the robins are going to come and move them around but just know that you're feeding those guys <laughs> so. It's important. Back to the, the kinds
1: of activities we would do uh, this time of year, because again, soil cold and, and uh, you know, just not quite growing season yet. Um, if you are ordering from seed catalogs, you don't have the benefit of having the whole label there. we talked about the importance mm-hmm. of reading uh, the, the seed packet labels carefully. But right. uh, uh, if you're new at this, if you're trying to pick seeds out, what are some, some guidelines for what to look for?
0: So, I, I the seed catalogs actually have quite a bit of information in them. So they will tell you how long uh, it takes for that plant to grow to maturity for you to, for, to harvest time, from seed to harvest. Um, and they will tell you, you – sometimes they'll tell you the soil temperature you need. There's a lot of information in the catalogs as you're reading through and ordering those seeds. Um, and, and this – certainly in February, you can start growing uh, – the seeds of coal crops, the spring, those shoulder season crops the, the we think of as a spring garden, the broccoli, so, and cabbage, yeah, broccoli, and cauliflower. cabbage yeah, cauliflower, all of those, and they take frost. There's no problem. Uh, if you can start them in a warm environment, they like that as seedlings. Once they're up and you know pretty sturdy in their cell packs, you can put them out in the garden, and if you want, you can put a cloche over them so that they stay a little warmer and might grow a little faster. But uh, they should be perfectly fine in the frost. And so you can start those now and they'll be ready to go out uh, in four weeks. You know, pretty pretty soon the, the nurseries locally are going to start having those as starts mm-hmm. available for you to purchase already grown and ready to plug into the ground. So um, –
1: yeah. yeah, By the time you get to February, spring is not that far away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garden for Life is the segment. Lynn Kunzman from Jackson County Master Gardeners, our guide. We will continue to uh, field questions from you for Lynn for future segments. Send those along to jx at org and mark them Lynn or gardening or something <laughs> so I can flag them separately from the other ones. And then we'll talk to Lynn again in a few weeks and uh, get back on track with gardening stuff as the warm season approaches. Lynn, great to meet you in person at last.
0: Yeah, finally. It's just wonderful. <laughs> (laughs) Thanks a lot.